Goosebumps, number 28, The Cuckoo Clock of Doom by R.L. Stein. Keep your eye on the birdie. Don't beat the clock. Tara the Terrible. That's what Michael Webster calls his bratty little sister. She loves getting Michael in trouble, making his life miserable. Things couldn't get any worse. Then, Mr. Webster brings home the antique cuckoo clock. It's old, it's expensive, and Mr. Webster won't let anyone touch it. Poor Michael. He should have listened to his dad, because someone put a spell on the gluck. A strange spell. A dangerous spell. And now, Michael's life will ne'er be the same again. Listener, beware. You're in for a scare. say that <laughs> a cuckoo <laughs> oh my cuckoo <laughs> hi you guys what's up hi i'm daniel montgomery i'm matthew scott montgomery and welcome to welcome, welcome to, to dead cast the goosebumps podcast it's official hey what's official that we're the goosebumps podcast oh I, okay yeah that's true i thought you were gonna make some big announcement like it's official, it's official. I, I can't, can't have, have children, children. <laughs> We have the same brain. Speaking of cheering, let's talk about the cuckoo clock of doom. I, I I looked up a couple bits of trivia about this episode. Oh, really? I'm not sure about the TV episode or the book. About the about the book. Yeah. I don't know if this is trash or not, but apparently this some website said this is R.L. Stein's favorite book in the series. I don't think that's. I don't know if I. I don't know. Really, I really had a lot of fun reading this book. And on the surface, it might be like, why would I like this book so much? Because I it's, had so much fun too. It's essentially this book is the quintessence of the annoying little brother, annoying little sister. Oh, it is. All, that's, that's that's like the, the entire book. Maybe it's because that's. I know why you like it though. Why? Well, we have to get wait till we get to the end. Yes, this this book does have one of the best twist endings uh, in the series. I feel like it's actually. very good, and yeah. I feel like this story too is. I mean, after last week or last episode coming from a Night in Terror Tower, which is the longest book in the series. I feel this, like this one. This it, is one of the shortest. It feel, at least, at least it feels like it is. I read this. I read this at the beach. I read so it in one fast. sitting. You yeah, sat right too. there as I did it. Yeah, yeah. And this one, this one really feels to me like a short story that's stretched as far as it can to make a book and the tv episode itself even though it's only 22 minutes i feel like they stretch and put in a bunch of stuff I to agree. make it last for i totally and that agree. no tino shade i think that's i think that's great and oh I, same i thought i think this one is light and fun and like kind of silly and like i don't know anyone who like looks at maybe the cover is kind of scary but i was like there's something called the cuckoo clock of dooms kind, sounds kind of silly you know it what I mean? sounds like a you know what it, it's just it sounds, sounds like, like a, a goosebumps, goosebumps book. book yeah that's 
true. It does. Yeah, you're right. The other piece of trivia that I was going to share that I don't know, maybe we should tweet our Alstein and see what he says. Yeah, let's tweet him. Apparently he was at a, a book, a, a signing at a bookstore in a mall and a girl came up to him and said, I'm a huge fan. Can you name a character after me? And her name was Tara. Really? Yes, apparently. Oh, I remember in an interview, Arl Stein used to say that his son Matt's friends would come over to the house and beg Matt to ask his dad to have their names in books, but Matt Stein never cared. That's interesting. Isn't that funny? So this book is about Michael Webster and his little his little brother, his little sister Tara. That's that's the next thing I was going to bring up. Didn't you do like a book report on this and name? I don't know. Where did I get that? I don't think so. Memory from. All I remember is our mother, Rosemary, for some reason saying Tara. In the TV episode, they say Tara and Tara as well. What do you mean? There's one moment where, now I'm drawing a blank. blank. We just watched it too. The one character says Tara. Oh, they do? Yeah, but for the most part, they say Tara. I naturally say Tara as well. I feel like we know. Tara the Terrible. Well, whatever. Oh, so let's talk about the cover of this book. So, um... This book has a shiny, shimmering, splendid um, a cuckoo clock that that's very similar to me to how the description is in the book. Yeah, it's black with shimmering gold and Roman numerals. Although it, the, we'll, we'll get to the description in the book, but it, it does have the in the book it says there are there are scrolls. And designs all over it. I mean, yeah, but like this looks like it's kind of it's kind of got some shiny intricacy to it. Yeah, it's cool. Hashtag intricacy. So the colors for this book, and these are the original copies of the book, by the way, uh, from the nineties. Um, uh, and this one is February nineteen February nineteen ninety five. Um, it's very similar, not similar colors to a Night in Terror Tower. Night in Terror Tower had yellow and blue, and then this is. This is kind of a yeah. another Meyer lemon yellow, and then kind of a uh, almost neon cerulean. Mmm, very good. Thank you. And then there is, you know, the top of the clock has like a plank or whatever that a, a cuckoo is at the edge of. It looks like doesn't look like a um, a fake or stuffed bird. Or looks I, like a well, quote real bird. Yeah, like hanging off the edge with its talons, and it's kind of menacing. And it's it's a, got a it's big, a, long, sloping forehead. It's a gold bird that's kind of leaning forward with it's gold finch it's a gold it's a it's a gold Ow, don't pan it's a golden snitch with like bright blue eyes they're kind of giving you an angry face saying like don't fuck with me addy it's pretty cool yeah it's pretty cool i don't think i've ever seen a real cuckoo clock in real life though i googled one yeah i googled oh, I them just that. just to get a sense of it i'm not sure that i actually have either yeah um so let's jump into it. One thing I wanted to want to point out is that, you know, this book came out in February 1995 and it takes place in February 1995. Oh. Which I think is that's cool. Right. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, this book calls out some dates and it's dated because we're all about to time travel through time. So let's get let's get to it. So let's the, do the, it. The to protagonist it. is Michael Webster. Michael. He's just a your normal cool dude who's he's got short he's got short, thick brown hair. Promise. And he's also a little short himself. Yeah. And he has an obnoxious give you that description. He's got an obnoxious to the max little bratty sister who's seven years old. Her name is Tara. Um they don't ever say they never say Tara the terrible. They the, do. They late, do very late in the book. It was in fact I was almost done with the book thinking they never said Tara the terrible. He calls her a terror 
at the beginning. Right. He calls her Tara the Terrible around page 100, mm. late in the book. He calls her Tara the Terrible. He says, Tara the Terrible. This is this, the description of Tara, and I'm living for it. Yes, Carl Stein says she's a skinny little squirt with a wide red mouth like a clown with stringy brown hair that she wears in two pigtails. So this is like the number one arch enemy so far to me personally in the Goosebumps series so far. I would take a... a I would take any monster over Tara. I would take an attic full of Slappy the Ventriloquist dummies as opposed to one Tara the Terrible. Oh, and we're going to go through the list of horrible things that she does to Michael. And not only are... What's almost, what's just as bad, if not worse to me, it is Michael's parents' reaction. Trash! His parents... It's, an, it's a Goosebumps trope, too, to you tell parents things and they... The parents don't believe it. Come on, parents. The dummy moved. Like, that kind of thing. But this is what... This is the height of frustration with the parents, I feel Ooh, like. girl. Yeah. So the book starts off with... Um, Michael, like, coming inside the house, and Tara, his bratty little clown mouth sister, is is teasing him and saying, you, you need to look down and you need to tie your shoe. Your shoe t- your shoe's untied. <laughs> and Michael's like, I refuse to look down to see my shoes because untied. I because I know you're trying to trick me. Trick. And yeah, she's, yeah. no, I swear, it's untied. He's no. And then he accidentally steps in gum. And Tara knew he wouldn't look down if she said that, so she knew he would step in the gum, bitch. And so she runs into the house and Michael's Mrs. Webster, Michael's mom, comes out and says, Michael Webster, stop chasing your little sister. Oh, is that gum on your shoe? Oh, Michael, you're tracking it all over the floor. If you're going to tell a lie, at least make it a good, good one, one, Mr. J. <laughs> He's like, it was Tara. Tara made me step in it. She's like, oh, Michael. <laughs> so that... Uh, so we just get a, a they're not really like the, what irritates me about these parents is they're kind of like eye rolly like oh like isn't Tara silly like Michael but they're not like you know admonishing especially admonishing Tara or My, admonishing Michael and like definitely not Tara but yeah, like about to say. the whole attitude is like that thing that pisses my shit off in public where it's like you have some dumbass snot nosed little brat bitch, bitch kid who's kicking the back of your seat or and something like, like that and they're like oh stop and like kids I can't control them fucking hate children um but um that's what I mean but the parents kind of have that thing yeah there on. really is nothing worse than a child yeah so two delivery guys show up that that afternoon with and basically they show up with this cuckoo clock. We here get it comes right into it again, like a short story. And here's the description of the cuckoo clock from the mouth of uh, a jovial Bob. It's mostly black, but painted with lots of silver and gold and blue designs. I was I had trouble wrapping my brain around that. A silver, blue, black, and blue. My eyes glowed darkly when I was reading this a, part. A, a cold designs and decorated with scrolls carvings scrolls and carvings and knobs, knobs and, and buttons and, and the, the there's a big clock face it's very tall by the way uh has a giant white face with gold hands and gold roman numerals and there are little um uh, michael points out there are, there are little secret doors hidden under paint designs and then there's a big door in the middle of the clock so you must be wondering like why do that why are they getting this clock why do they want this clock well mr webster has seen this clock in the store the antique store across from his office for 15 years and today it's finally gone on sale i'd like At to point the out an- the antique store is anthony's antiques and stuff yeah that's kind of cool so he's been walking by it every day and finally went on sale and so and he's like it's on sale because 
because there's a tiny flaw in it. So tiny, you won't even notice. And so he's like, what difference does it make? I don't care. I, I can't see the flaw. Let's get it. And Mrs. Webster's not having it. She thinks it's ugly. And there's this other important little detail about the what the, what the clock looks like. On the right side of the clock, follow me here, you guys, there's a little dial with a gold face that looks like a miniature clock, except there's only one hand. And there are tiny numbers painted in black along the outside of the dial, starting at 1800 and goes all the way to 2000. And there's a thin gold hand that's pointed to 1995, and that little clock tells the year. Yeah, so here we are, February 1995. And there's a little gold button under that little dial where you can change the year, Yeah, basically. And basically, like I think there's a joke in the book, too, where it's like, guess they didn't think we'd live past 2000. <laughs> and they were right. Um, and so, obviously, any child's desire is to touch that clock. I know, but Mr. Webster's clock blocking them (laughs) from touching it. That's good. And he says, don't you touch that. Nobody, if anybody touches that, they're in deep (laughs) doo-doo. So... So as they're as they're looking at the clock, it hits I don't know six o'clock or something, and a little door uh, slides open just over the clock face, and a bird flies out with the meanest bird face you ever saw. That's such a funny sentence to me. What the meanest bird face I ever saw, and I, that's what it says. I know, end of chapter six, ridiculous. And it's the bird is a yellow feathers, bright blue eyes, and it scares Michael. It scares him, and Tara laughs at him and says, "You bird brain, you're scared of a, a cuckoo, cuckoo clock. clock." And so Michael kind of shoves her, and Michael's mom says, "Michael, don't push your sister. You don't realize how strong you are. You could hurt her." I wish. And Mr. Wester goes, oh, I didn't know it was a cuckoo clock, but I'm not surprised. You see, it comes from the Black Forest of Germany, and it's, it's enchanted. enchanted. The man who built it had magical powers and put a spell on it. And they say, if you know the secret, you can use the clock to go back in time. Oh, of course. And Mrs. Webster's response to that is, oh, Herman, I wish you wouldn't tell the kids these wild stories. It's not good for them, and it only encourages Michael. He's always making things up, telling fibs and impossible stories. I think he gets it from you. Bitch! Time for dinner. And on their way to dinner, Tara stomps on Michael's foot. And he goes, ouch! And Mr. Webster goes, Michael, stop making so much noise. Bitch! So at dinner, Michael says, um, hey, mom, hey, dad, I need to study. Uh, uh, mom, dad. He says, I need to study in the den tonight. The den is where the cuckoo clock is, by the way. And he says, I need to use the encyclopedia. encyclopedia. May I use the encyclopedia, even though I know I'm supposed to stay out of the den? And And Tara's like, no, no, no. I need to use the encyclopedia, too. We're studying the gold rush. And Michael's like, you don't study the gold rush in second grade? What are you talking about? She says, no, it's true. And Mr. Webster says, fine. You both can use the encyclopedia. (laughs) Share with your sister. So after dinner in the den, Michael is um um this is to, some this is some shit this is some trash goes to get the encyclopedia or whatever notices Tara isn't around so it's like whatever and where's so, Tara where's Julia so he starts to sort of inspect the clock and starts and starts to touch it a little bit even though Mr. Webster said don't do it and he you know that big door that we mentioned that's under the face of the clock well mm-hmm. Michael decides that I just want to open it just to see what's inside you know getting in the mood and. 
He tries to pull open the door, but it doesn't open. It won't budge. And all of a sudden, it bursts open. And an ugly, ugly green, green monster, monster bursts out. And knocks him to the floor. Who do you think it is? Of course it is. Tara the Terrible in her old Halloween costume. What I think is interesting is that RLSI never specifies what her costume was. Just that it was a green monster. Sounds pretty good to me. I guess. So, And then at the same time, I guess it's 7 cuckoo. o'clock. And the cuckoo, cuckoo clock. The cuckoo comes out cuckoo. of the cuckoo clock. And that's when Mr. Webster walks in. And Tara Mealy says, he was trying to catch the cuckoo. I saw him. I tried to stop him. That's what he was doing. And Mr. Webster's like, I thought so. Enough of that, Michael. I'm sick of hearing you blame Tara every time you do something wrong. Maybe your mother is right. Maybe I have been encouraging your imagination a little too much. And Michael's response is so funny to me. He says, oh, that's not fair. I don't even have any imagination. (laughs) I never make anything up. Tara ruins everything. And then... um, then Michael says to the reader, this is in first person, by the way, like uh, every good traditional Goosebumps book. And he says, gosh, this is the, Tara's the worst, but nothing was worse than my birthday three days ago. Time for a flashback. So we're going back three days before. Do you promise? I promise. So three days before is Michael's birthday. He just turned 12. The, the big, big 12. 12. And Mr. and Mrs. Webster are decorating, getting ready for a big party with all of his friends. And Miss Webster... Ms. All that morning, she's like, okay, don't go in the garage. And he's and like, why not, Mom? She's like, oh, there's a huge mound of trash in there. Don't go in there. And he's like, Mom. I know you're hiding my prezzies in there, Mom. And Michael says, hey, Dad, I know you're decorating, but can you fix the lock on my door? Because Tara broke it when she was trying to kickbox it down. Bitch. And he says, sure thing, son. And goes to fix the door. And while he's up there, Tara starts pulling down the crepe paper that Mr. Webster hung up. It's Crap. And he says, stop trying to wreck my birthday. And she says, I don't have to wreck it. It's bad all by itself. Just because it's the day you were born. <laughs> so before the party, Mr. and Mrs. Webster bring Michael to the garage and say, up, oh, it's time Guess to Guess what it is. It's a surprise. It's a 21 speed bike. And then, oh, woo! And guess what happens? Fucking Tara jumps on the bike herself and it falls over and his brand new shiny 21 speed bike gets a big white scratch on it on the shiny middle black bar. And Michael's like, stop, you're ruining everything. And and, you're ruining my life. And his parents say, and the parents say, Tara, are you hurt? Oh, let's not get oversighted, Michael. It's only a scratch. Don't you even care about your sister? She could have been hurt. You have a lot to learn about being a good brother, mister. So the party starts, and here are all the friends that showed up to the party. There's David. There's Josh. There's Michael B. There's Henry. There's Lars. There's Cece. There's Rosie. And there's there's Mona. I'm mysterious Mona. I'm not one to gush at that boy with the brush. I'm mysterious Mona. I might just faint if you touch my wet paint. just pause and say i love that there's a michael b because that's the realest thing i've ever heard in my life how many times do you have some dumb kid thing where you're hanging out with a bunch of dumb fucking kids and you have to be like daniel m because there's a daniel l or some stupid shit like that no i know that's why i think i was always daniel i mean i i liked being daniel i guess but there was like dan dan schroeder and danny bukafudo <laughs> and so um i was always daniel look at me i was always tara so michael has a huge crush on mona and this is what mona 
looks like, you guys. She's got long, shiny brown hair and a turned up nose. <laughs> That's uh, kind of cute. cute. And she's tall and she's good at basketball. Oh, wow. And I don't know, there's just like something sort of cool about her. Let me tell you what she was wearing. She was wearing pink overalls with a white turtleneck. And Michael she says, she looked great. great. I didn't care what the other girls were wearing. Mysterious Mona so like Mona is like our love interest of this book and Cece and Rosie are her basic bitch friends who she can't go nowhere without. So as soon as Mona shows up, basically Tara says, tells Mona that Mike, Michael has a crush on you. <laughs> I want to crush Tara. And Michael's so embarrassed, his face turns red and Tara jumps on all his presents and opens all of his presents. <laughs> and he says, why did you, pulls her, pulls her aside, says, why did you tell Mona I like her? It's, it's true, isn't it? I always tell the truth. And he goes, yeah, right. And Miss Webster goes, Michael, are you being mean to Tara again? <laughs> So they open presents, Mona gets him, or Tara opens the presents, Mona gets him a CD and Tara teases him. I bet there's love songs on it (laughs) now that he's in love. And later, Michael is carrying his cake into the dining room. And And wouldn't you know it, Tara fucking sticks out her stupid little foot and Michael trips over it and he falls flat onto his cake. Face first onto the cake. Everybody laughs, especially Mona. Rosie says, you look like the Hulk, which doesn't make any sense. Rosie's a dumb bitch. And Michael's mom's response is, oh, what a mess, Michael. Why don't you look where you're going? And Michael silently to himself whispers a, a, a birthday wish out loud into the cake and says, I wish I could start this birthday all over again. But that's not the worst thing Tara did. We flash back to another week before that. And this is the worst thing she did. So Cece, Rosie, and Mona and Michael are in a play called The Frog Prince at school. Mona was playing the princess and Michael was playing the frog before he kisses, before he, before the kiss. So there's another kid actor playing the prince and Michael was playing the frog. And Michael's like, it's probably cooler to play the frog because I get to kiss Mona. But of course, Tara's there. So it's after, basically we're at the house. It's after school and Rosie, Cece, and Mona are coming over to rehearse with Michael. And Michael's going to show them his new frog costume meanwhile tara's torturing bubba the cat and make him do a handstand and trying to get him listen i i hope you listeners out there are as frustrated as i am about this but tara is taking the cat picking him up by his hind legs and making him walk on his front paws grabbing his mouth and making the cat smile and michael's like what are you doing tries to pull bubba away and bubba in like being has has reached being harassed and abused has reached his 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 um, boiling point and ends up scratching at anything in the air and ends up scratching Michael instead. And that's when Mrs. Wa- Webster walks in and says, Michael, what were you doing to the cat? Stop teasing him. He won't scratch you. I'm going to go upstairs and lie down for a while. I have a headache. Yeah, go lie down, you good for nothing. Beep. So <laughs> the doorbell rings and Mo- and Michael's like, oh, Tara, answer it and tell the girls to hang out down here. I'm going to run upstairs and try on my frog costume and surprise the girls. Just tell them to wait in the den. And so Michael goes upstairs to change and takes off his, all of his clothes and is in his underwear Ooh. and starts putting on the frog suit. But oh no, the zipper is stuck. So he's standing there in his undies and then the door opens and Tara's bringing Mona, Cece, and Rosie inside. And she says, here he is, girls. He told me to bring you upstairs. So the girls see them staring there, stuck in his underwear. And they laugh. (laughs) And he says, Tara laughs like a rotten little hyena. You could say that again. Now, you guys, at this point, Michael says, you think that's bad? 
get this. <laughs> We're gonna do another flashback. So now it's two days before that. And Michael is playing basketball after school with some of his friends. And you know, Kevin Flowers, that big tough guy who loves his Duke blue devil's hat. And while they're playing basketball, Michael basketball, Michael notices Tara hanging out by the sidelines. What are you doing here, Tara? What are you doing? And then he looks later and she's gone. He's like, maybe she was waiting to like walk home from school together. He doesn't know. But as they're done playing basketball, Kevin Flowers is like, hey, my Duke... My Duke Blue Devil's hat is missing. Where is it? Is it in Henry's bag? And everybody's like, everybody knows how much Henry loves that hat. No, where is it? And then um, everybody sees that it's sticking out of Michael's bag. Oh. And so Kevin finds the hat in the backpack and beats Michael up really badly. This is the description of how he was beat up. <laughs> this is shocking to me, but I guess this is 1995 for you. He says, I'll spare you the blood and the gore, but let's just say my clothes didn't fit too well when Kevin got through taking me apart. Josh and Henry helped me home. My mom didn't recognize me. My no eyes and nose had traded places with my chin. I think this is, we've talked about this before, especially in Why I'm Afraid of Bees, but I it really makes me realize that Arlstein comes from like the Sandlot era of machismo beat up and that's like normal and expected and not a big deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I just got beat up because like, I don't know, I'm a boy and that's what happens when you're a kid. It scared me. Yeah, scary. And Tara sees him in the bathroom, like, I don't know, cleaning the blood off his face. Literally and rearranging. It was you, I knew it was you. She was, oh, was that Kevin's hat? I thought it was yours. <laughs> So now we're back in present day. We're present February 1995. And, and it's a few days after the clock has shown up at the house. And Tara gets caught playing with it one afternoon. And 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 Mr. Webster scolds Tara. And Michael has an idea. Michael, Michael decides he is going to mess with the cuckoo clock somehow. And Tara is going to get blamed because now Mr. Webster has seen Tara messing with the clock. And he knows if something happens to the clock, it's Tara who did it, not Michael. So at midnight... Michael sneaks downstairs right at the stroke cuckoo, of midnight cuckoo, and just cuckoo, decides in the moment um, when the cuckoo pops out, he's going to just twist its head around and twist, twist the, the bird's head around and it goes back in the clock and, he, and, he, and he's so pleased with himself. So next morning, he, he wakes up gleefully to see what happened. Yes, Tara's going to get blamed for that reverse head. And so, oh, weird. And so when they get downstairs, when he gets downstairs, everybody says, Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Michael. And to you. <laughs> I was going to sing in the background. You could have got sweet So um, Michael's like, very funny, you guys. What? And mom's like, don't go, go in, in the, the garage. garage. There's a huge pound of trash in there. And he says, mom, what's with the trash story? I didn't believe it the first time. And then he sees all the birthday decorations, all that crepe paper that he saw on his birthday. And he sees Tara pulling it down like she did previously. And he says, why are you decorating? And the dad, that Mr. Webster says, because it's your birthday. And then he gets led to the garage just like he was before. And he gets his 21 speed bike just like he did before. And then Tara jumps on it and scratches it just like it did before. Michael's like, huh? What's happening? This can't be. It just can't be. And he thinks, oh my goodness, my birthday wish must have, must have come true. Now I have to relive this terrible party. So all the same things happen at the birthday party. And at one point he goes, he goes into the kitchen and says, mom, please take Tara away. Just shut her up in her room or something. And he's, and she says, Michael, why? Your sister wants to have fun too. You're being silly. Be nice to Tara. She won't bother you. She's just a little girl. Famous last words. 
So all the same stuff happens and cut to Michael bringing his cake. He's determined not to trip on it this time. He's like, if I'm going to live through this shit again, best believe I'm not tripping on my cake. So he walks through the door and makes it. And he doesn't see Tara hiding behind the door like she was before. And he's like, oh, thank God. But then he looks and sees that this time she's hiding under the table. And she grabs his ankle. And the same thing happens. He falls into Except it. Except this was time was so much worse than the first time. And that night, Michael has nightmares about his party. His friends there. Their faces turning into monsters. And he wakes up at 3 a.m. The salt turns the bodies into mummies. So he wakes up at 3 a.m. And he decides to go to his parents' room and tell them about what happened. Like, maybe make them feel better. But like, hey, he, he, he's like, you got... He wants to tell them, you guys, I think, I don't know what's happening. I don't know, but I wish to to, live this birthday again, and now I'm living the birthday again. And he goes in their room, and they're half asleep. And he's like, you've got to listen to me. Something creepy happened today. Didn't you notice it? It's my birthday. Terror room and my birthday. And I wish I could have it all over again. I wanted to make it better, but I never thought the wish would come true. Then today, it was my birthday again. And everything happened exactly the same. It was horrible. And Dad goes, is that you, Michael? Go back to sleep, dear. Oh, you just had a bad dream. No, it wasn't a bad dream. Listen, Michael, I know you're excited about your birthday, but it's two days away. Only two days to go. Then it will be your birthday at last okay so go back to bed now and get some sleep only, only two, two days, days to your birthday, birthday. sweet dreams. dreams so rl's beating us over the head that what is time going backwards again what and he thinks what are they what are they saying about he stumbles back to his bed looks at the date on his watch and watch and it says february 3rd his birthday is february 5th oh what? no i have an idea could it be the cuckoo clock twisting the head back is this what happened so uh, he all of a sudden he's just like i know what it, it must have been the twisting the head that's what's sending me back in I'm time i'm gonna go down to the den i'm gonna go to that cuckoo clock and when it strikes whatever i'm gonna twist that head back around and make it right again but when he gets back down d- downstairs the cuckoo clock is gone of course because it's two days before his birthday, five days before Mr. Webster bought the clock. But he doesn't realize this at first, which is hilarious, because he runs back to his parents' room after he was just there and says, there's no cuckoo clock in the den! (laughs) And they're like, what? We don't even own a cuckoo clock. You're having a bad dream. Go to bed. And that's when it hits him. Oh, wow. And Miss Webster's like, are you thick? I think you have a favor. You got a headache and a favor. You need to go to bed. So in the morning, Michael again is like, you guys, time is going backwards. And his dad is like, Michael, you have a wonderful imagination, but I'm really running late. Can we talk about when I get home from work tonight? Or why don't you write it down? You know how I love reading science fiction stories. So he's trying to figure out what day it is at school that day. And when he gets home, he oh, says, Oh no, what day is it at school that day? <laughs> <laughs> Department of Redundancy Oh no, day day. Zay day. At, when he gets home that day, he realizes, oh no, he sees Tara playing with Bubba and it's nudie peep show day. <laughs> it's time for that frog peep it's, show. It's time for showing that freak show peep peep show. And uh, Rosie and Cece and Mona show up and Michael just finds himself like he's stuck He's stuck in it. He can't stop himself from doing all the same things. He's going he's, upstairs. He's taking off his clothes. He's in his underwear. He's yanking on that big old frog, frog costume. Well, he stops himself and says, you don't have to do this. And he goes back downstairs. He hasn't gotten naked yet. Goes back downstairs. Oh, sorry. I just couldn't wait for that peep show. And he's and Mona's like, why don't you put on your costume pretty prees for me? I can't rehearse without it. He's no, it's it's too hot in wearing the costume. No, it's ugly. You can't see it. And then Mona leans forward, her hair smelling like strawberry shampoo. And she says, please, Michael, for me. 
And he says, all right, I'll do it for yous. So he goes upstairs and locks the door because the lock's been fixed. He remembered that. And locks the door and he says, this is fine. This is fine. The, he gets in his near nudes, his never nudes, and is about to pull on the frog costume when the door bursts open and Tara bursts in. It all happened all over again. He's like, but dad fixed it. And then he remembers, oh no, wait. Oh no, dad fixed it. Not that day. I traveled back in time. Oh. Uh, so that night at dinner, Mrs. Webster, I, this next sequence, I can't even, I don't. <laughs> this next sequence is so ridiculous. <laughs> Listen, I know I, I, I exaggerate all the time, but I truly believe this is one of the most ludicrous sequences in Goosebumps. I think this might be the most ridiculous one we've read so far in the series. Only the second to it be Courtney throwing a bee, throwing bees and you can't scare me. I don't even know how to, I'm going to try and explain what the hell happened. Okay, th- you guys get ready. So it's dinner that night and Mrs. Mrs. Webster, she's on this like no meat thing. So she's making these nasty dinners. She's making, she's making these nasty no meats. And <laughs> and it's just peas, carrots, mushrooms over brown rice, which actually sounds good to me, but whatever. And Michael's like, oh, I, you don't understand. I've had that. We've had this meal before. This exact meal. And Mr. Webster is like, yeah, it seems like we have. This food's disgusting. Because <laughs> no, you don't understand. I'm going back in time. And Michael's mom says, no weird theories at the dinner table, please. And he's Michael. like, you're not listening to me. Everything is going backwards. And then Mr. Webster says, all right. We might as well tell you, we're all caught in a time warp, and there's nothing we can do about it. I'm going to read to you what happens next. Okay. Mom pushed back her chair. She walked backwards to the stove. She started dishing rice from her plate into the pot on the stove. In a grip, she asked Dad. Huh? Is yep. Dad replied. I would need it, Tara said. She spit some rice out onto her fork and dumped it back on her plate. She was eating backwards. Dad stood up and walked backwards to Mom. And then Tara skipped backwards around the kitchen table. They were all talking, moving backwards. We really were in a time warp. Hey, I cried. It's true. Why wasn't I talking backwards, too? You're all wrong, Tara said. She cracked up first. Then Dad started laughing. And the, then man. And then it turns out it's just a joke. All three of them were playing a joke on Michael, so they were all moving and speaking backwards. <laughs> Excuse much? That's that's ludicrous. I know. It's amazing, though. And Arlstein literally spelled out what they were saying backwards. Yeah. And they were saying, more rice, please. Yeah. More rice, honey. Yes, please. Me too, moron. You guys, that is insane it's fun though for some reason i'm so not mad at it and i really love it and all all three of them tara mr mrs webster die laughing and they say maybe you're just nervous about your birthday coming up it's It's gonna be great we have a surprise for you and no you don't michael thinks so the next day michael tries to figure out again what day it is today and then he realizes it's kevin flowers blue blue duke blue devil's hat beat up day (laughs) and he just shuts his eyes and gets the the tar gets beating fa- out of him. Gets his face rearranged again. So the next morning, Michael wakes up with no bruises. And, and then he just goes to school and he re- gets to Mrs. J- Mrs. Ms. Jacobson's homeroom and doesn't recognize anyone. Like that pretty girl with cornrows and three earrings in one ear. Who are these people? Where's his class? And somebody in the class goes, hey, what's a third grader doing here? And he goes back to Mrs. Harris's third grade class. Because it turns out, girl, he's in third grade All now. his friends are younger. His class are learning words for tomorrow's spelling test. And it, what's, uh, this part was kind of funny because his friend Henry goes, man, these words are tough. Look how many letters there are in grandmother. And I think, I think Michael says to himself, yeah, well, wait to get words like psychology. Yeah. <laughs> 
That one's tough. So it's third grade. He's going back in time. And so now Tara is three years old. So when we get home, three-year-old Tara's playing with Bubba as she do. And she's and she goes to she goes to Michael, you're dumb. Give me a piggyback and yanks on his hair. Ouch! And he shoves her. And, M- and Mrs. Webster says, Michael, don't shove your sister. She's just a little girl. Famous last words. And Michael says, Michael starts to freak out and is like, I can't believe this. Now it's been I've been going backward back in time a couple days now I'm, I'm get in third younger, grade younger until I disappear am I gonna disappear forever so he wakes up the next morning and sees that notices that the bed seems farther away from the floor and that his clothes are laid out that he's supposed to wear that day and they're jeans with a cowboy in the pocket second grade he recognizes those clothes that he used to wear in second grade he's seven years old now cowboy he's- shirt with surrey with the fringe on top and everything oh wow and he goes downstairs he's at tara's watching cartoons in pajamas she's two years old and he thinks well maybe she what i can't believe i'm going back in time but maybe tara's not so bad when she's two yeah, years right old. terrible twos and she goes kiss kiss and michael michael's mom says oh give poor tara kiss you're her big brother she looks up to you and tara pokes him in the eye bitch so michael goes through his day of second grade and realizes that all right i've got to get to the antique store and turn that bird listen around. this is my mo now y'all we got to get back to that antique store somehow some way so, somehow somewhere somewhere so after school he gets into a bus and the bus driver's like, aren't you a little young to be riding the bus by yourself? And he goes, I'm meeting no, death. No, first he, first he goes, mind your own business. And he goes, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I'm meeting daddy at his office. Mommy said it was okay. <laughs> so he rides the bus to his dad's building, gets out, crosses the street, notice, sees a black sign down the block. That says, he makes his way to Anthony's Antiques and stuff. Walks to it and sees a sign that says, close for vacation. Uh, no. But he can see that the cuckoo clock is in the window. So at first he's like, what am I going to do? And then, and then he realized seven-year-old him with a cowboy outfit is going to take a brick from a nearby construction site and throw it through the window. So he... Gotta he, get the clock, gotta get the clock, gotta get it. So he picks up the brick to throw it through the window and brick it. And somebody grabs his hand and it's his dad. His dad said, what are you doing here? And he said, I wanted to surprise you. I missed you, daddy. And he goes, Mikey, you're not allowed to ride the bus by yourself. I'm sorry, daddy. So the next morning, he wakes up and, girl, he's even younger. He's in a different room. It's Tara's room. He's in Tara's room. And he knows that the walls um, are baby blue. He's got matching bedspread and curtains made of kangaroos. He's wearing lowercase Smurf PJs. Oh, Matthew's just reading my notes. But in the book... In the book, it's lowercase. I know, everything's lowercase, but I think it's so interesting. I, I thought Smurf was a proper noun. It is now. Maybe it's a verb. So he Smurf is a verb? Um yeah, you like you got smurfed. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. I think I'm I think I'm losing my voice a little bit. Really? Yeah. That's why I always say you know you're having a good time when you start to lose your voice Ooh. or using your voice incorrectly. Oh, I guess I should speak for my diaphragm. Mm. So um Michael think guesses he must be five years old. So he goes down to breakfast. I thought this little moment was interesting. And his dad says, come give daddy a good morning kiss. And Michael says, I've forgotten how many stupid things little kids had to put up with. And he goes, where's Tara? Where's Tara? And the parents go, who's Tara? Oh, oh, it's your invisible oh, friend. Oh, you're Tara. stupid. Oh, where's Tara? So later, Mrs. Webster's working with Michael on tying his shoes. And Michael's like, yeah, I got it. And she goes, oh, all by himself. She shows Mr. Webster's, Mikey tied his shoes all by himself. And this is really kind of hilarious moment where 
Mr. Webster turns to Mrs. Webster and goes, about time. Took him long enough. (laughs) So Michael goes to kindergarten and all day does finger paints and thinks about how he can escape and sneak onto a bus. And he's like, I gotta go. I know I'm in kindergarten, but I gotta go straight to the bus after school. But bumps into his mom Uh, after school. Good night. Next morning, he's four years old. And it turns out he's going to nursery school today. No, no, no. And he goes and he just sits and sulks in a corner. He doesn't feel like playing with little kids. He doesn't know what to do. He's a 12-year-old stuck in a four-year-old's body. And Miss Sarton, the teacher, says, why aren't you playing? I think he needs to play. And pushes him into the sandbox with Mona. Hi, Mona. She's, ew, a boy. I hate boys. He says, well, if that's the way you feel, forget I said anything. And she said, you're stupid. And she says, what is he, is she building an igloo? A sand, I guess it's a sandcastle, some dumb thing. And dumps a bucket of water and sand on Mona's head. On uh, Michael's, Michael's head. head. Mona takes a bucket and dumps it on his head and goes, Ha-ha, come and get me, Mikey. You can't catch me. Mysterious Mona So Mona runs over to a little girl with thick pink glasses and an eye patch and it's Cece. <laughs> and she runs over to a tree. Cece's at a tree in the playground and they start just screaming. Two little girls start screaming. Michael, they're like, come chase us or whatever. Michael chases them. They scream like little brats. And he says, I'm not going to hurt you. I don't, wh- why are you screaming? And she, they say, yes, you will. He's hurt, teacher. He's hurting us. And they tackle him and tickle him. And Michael's like, gosh, I didn't remember what a, bo- what a boss little bitch Mona is. Yeah. And he says, stop tickling me. And they say, we'll stop tickling you if you climb that tree. And he's like, fine. And they say, Mikey's scared. He's scared. Michael's like, fine. I'm going to climb. I'll climb the tree. Leave me alone. And he goes, wait a second. Was it nursery school that year I broke my arm? And the branch, uh, the branch snaps or he falls or something and breaks his arm. Did you see that movie about the broken arm? The no. cast was incredible. <laughs> Did you just come up with that on the spot? I saw that on Twitter yesterday. Oh, that's really good. I absolutely love that. <laughs> so the next morning he wakes up and girl, he's even younger. He's in a crib wearing diapies. Mrs. Webster walks in, shoves a bottle of juice in his mouth. He tries to see if he can walk, and he can barely pull himself up. On his weak little rubber jello baby arms. He realizes he Rubber can, baby buggy bumpers. He realizes he can walk, but he's very unsteady on his feet. And he, like, falls down and hits his head and starts crying or something, some stupid thing that babies do. And he's like, <laughs> I can't, he's like, I can't even, like, I can't even help it. I feel like crying. What's going on with me? I'm a baby. How am I going to fix this? And Mrs. Webster's like, oh, no, does Mikey need his diaper change? He says, no. She says, yes, you do, Mikey. And then Arlstein writes, I don't like to think about what happened after that. I'd rather block it out of my memory. I'm sure you understand. When the worst was over, Mom plopped me down in a playpen. That's so funny. Anyway, his dad shows up and... So Michael is just a baby for a couple hours. He's bored out of his mind. Same. And... Mom, mom comes over and says, "Oh, you want to go see your daddy? You want to see daddy and go shopping conveniently?" Is like, "You want to go over to daddy's office?" And he's like, "Perfect." The antique shop's over there, and so he's like, "Yes." So she straps him into a car seat, drives Aren't him to they dad's like office. Are they shopping for tables? Or they're something? shopping for a, living, a dining room a dining room table because they're having like a party with the burgers that Saturday night or something. Oh, okay. In time for that or whatever, and sounds good. And yeah, it sounds great. And so as they're they meet up with dad and he says, hi, dada. And Mr. Webster says, shouldn't he be saying more words by now, honey? Ted Jackson's kid is Mikey's age. He could say whole sentences. He could say light bulb and kitchen and I want my teddy bear. 
And she says, don't start again. Start that again. Mikey is not slow. These bitch parents. Terrible parents. So they stroll up to the antique store and Michael sees that there's not a clock in the window. Oh, oh no. no. Maybe it's gone. But they go in and start looking for a dining room table and Michael sees that it's there. It's in the corner. So as a, in his baby body, he starts rocking crazily around his strollers trying to say, let me out of this thing. And they're like, what is he saying? And the shopkeeper says, it sounded like he's saying llama llama. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly what he's saying. And he, he basically squirms and screeches until Mrs. Webster takes him out of the and he stroller. Screams, down, down. So she puts him down on the floor. Yeah, he's down, put me down. So she puts him down on the floor, and the shopkeeper is like, is like, keep an eye on him. A lot of this stuff is breakable. So they drag him, them, him away from where the cuckoo clock is to the other side of the store where there are dining room tables. And they, the mom and dad start fighting over dining room tables at one point. And Mr. Webster says, um, who can't, I don't know, none of these are perfect. Why don't we just spread out a blanket on the floor, make them eat, eat there on the floor? We'll call it a picnic. <laughs> and so Michael's like, it's perfect. This is the perfect excuse for me to leave. So, so he toddles over to the clock. And as soon as he gets there, the cuckoo pops out. Cuckoo, cuckoo. And it starts cuckooing, cuckooing. It's cuckooed four times. And quickly, he, uh, two-year-old Michael grabs a chair nearby and he shoves it against the clock. Cuckoo, cuckoo. And he moves against the clock. His chin coming up to the seat of the chair. So he tries to pull himself up. And he managed to cuckoo, stretches, stretches, cuckoo, stretches his baby body. Stretches baby body, reaching for that bird. That reaches, reaches, reaches. And Mrs. Webster picks him up. And the bird comes right within reach of his baby toddler hand. He manages to tur- turn the head around. On cuckoo. The, on the last cuckoo. And then um, he wriggles. So he's done that. Next thing he does is he wriggles out of his mom's arms, lands on the chair, and hits the button under the dial on the side of the, of the clock and, and starts holds the button down and the years start whizzing by until it gets to 1995. And, and the shopkeeper says, get that baby away from my clock. And Mrs. Webster try to grab, tries to grab him, but he screams. And it startles her so much. And then he lets the clock go all the way to 1995. And then he takes his hand off and lets his mom pull him away. And then nothing happened. What? And the shopkeeper's like, oh, that's okay. Everything seems okay with the clock, but he just changed the year on the clock. He, I'll have to change it back. And, and Michael, Michael's like, no. And the shopkeeper goes, that boy could use a little discipline if you ask me. And Michael says, no. A bright white flashed, and Michael feels dizzy, and he sort of comes to and realizes that he's in the garage, and it's his birthday, and he's traveled back in time again or forward in time and he's, he's looking at his brand new surprise which is the 21 speed bike and he's like oh my gosh well, i'm back here on my birthday and he's super confused and his parents kind of look at him like oh michael are you feeling okay what's wrong and he's like um nothing's wrong i love this bike i love you i love every team he's so so happy to be back in february 1995 and then he was like oh no I know what's going to happen next. Oh, Tara, Tara's she's going to jump on my bike. Where is she? Where's Tara? And the parents say, who? And Mrs. Webster's like, did you invite her to your party? Is that some girl you have a crush on, Michael? Who's Tara? And he goes, what? Michael runs inside. There's no Tara. There's no cuckoo clock. He runs up to check Tara's room and sees that it's a guest room now. Where is they? So the birthday goes well. No Tara. Tara's not around. Everything's fine. The birthday is peaceful and fun. And a few days later, the cuckoo clock is delivered finally on sale from Anthony's Antiques and stuff. And, and Michael checks it out and is looking at the clock and says, wow. And then looks at the dial and notices that the year 1988 is gone. Huh. Wasn't that the year that Tara was born? That's maybe that's the flaw. Maybe that's the flaw Anthony the Sopkeeper was talking about. So now I'm going to read the beginning and the end of this book. Michael, 
Your shoe's untied. I suppose there's some way to go back in time and get her. I guess I probably ought to do that. And I will, really. One of these days. Maybe. And that's, that's how the book ends. I love that ending so much. I think I think the part of the reason why I can put up with all of Tara's bullshit is because I know in the come up, it's in the end that she dead, she never been born. That's good. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that's it's such a great. And this is almost like a um, Tales from the Crypt episode. It is. Too. It really does feel like one of those. That twist is so satisfying to me. But rereading it this time, I was disappointed that it wasn't a little more vindictive. Like I was disappointed that he like. Even though it's a joke, like entertains the idea of like bringing her back. He's like, I guess yeah. I should go back and get her. And I what, what grade did you give it? I gave it a B plus. B plus. Sure. Right, cool. Now let's talk about the TV episode. This was the first episode to air after um, the Haunted Mask. The Haunted Mask, and it stars John White, who is a young actor who is featured later in the Haunted Mask Two as Steve. Steve. Um, but and he has what. As a kid, there was a lot of things I didn't like about this episode. Yeah. There's some things I really did like. One thing I like about rewatching it, and we'll go through it. It's a fun one to watch, actually. There's lots of gotcha scares and giggles in this There's one. There's so they really, many. They try so hard to make this as scary as possible. And the sound design of this episode, I think, is is as good as Goosebumps gets. The sound design is really, really incredible. They really try to make this very, very scary. <laughs> One thing I didn't like was his bowl cut poop hair that drove me completely insane. He has like really, really long colonial hair that like goes down to his chin. You know what I mean? Like it curls down under his chin like fucking George Washington or some shit. You know what I mean? Yes, I know what you mean. But it's still of the time. Even his hair bugged me so much as a kid. Um, and then another thing that bugged me, and we'll, we'll go, it's, it, there's a lot of stuff that's different from the book, but most, most of it's pretty the same. But one thing that really bugged me is, the special the special effects are such a huge disappointment. There's some really really shitty AV club music video slow motion and some really piss poor shit stick green screen at certain points. Yeah, but that's sort of the charm of it. I'm still saying I really like it and I enjoyed it, but I'm just pointing out things as a kid. I was like, Heh, like yeah. So this episode is uh, season one, episode three. It aired on November 3rd, 1995. One of the things I remember about this book, this television episode two, is how it starts out. So it starts out like creepy, you know, drumstick banging music while Michael's just walking around outside and he's following a trail of blood. Yeah. Like... Like, don't get it twisted, like, thick, like, black blood, basically. And he picks it up and rubs it through his fingers. He's like, what is this? And then he goes into the woods, follows, like, these smears of blood up to a tree. And then a snake demon jumps out of the tree and, like... Covered in blood. Like, mouth covered in blood. It's genuinely very scary. And, like, the the snake mouth thing basically attacks the screen. And then it turns out it's not a snake creature. It's dumb little Tara. And she has a cartoon bottle of ketchup that she's spraying that doesn't... It looks so much like blood. And she has two silent friends that come with her and she goes ha, ha, ha take that you credge see i told you he was a credge that's jerk spelled backwards you credge gotcha <laughs> what a credge i told you he was a credge that's jerk spelled backwards you credge and that's never left the back of my mind never. My, in my entire life it's never left my brain and so he sort of like chases her with the the ketchup and squeezes it at the door 
she runs inside and closes the door just the right moment and he squeezes it on the door and, and there's like a white door and so it's ketchup all over the door and of course it's michael's fault so mrs the webster mom comes starts out, like the- michael oh god cut to the birthday party um there's a big ba- banner that says happy birthday michael the big 12 and it's absolutely ridiculous tara's and- a little bitch it's pretty it's pretty much the same yeah it's pretty much the same she that Mona's in the episode. She tees, uh, Tara teases Mona. Awesome. Thanks, Mona. I don't have this one. Of course not. You said it was lame and he threw it out. But now he'll probably like it. Now, now that he's in love. Tara. I think, uh, Dan and I shot a movie a couple weeks ago with, um, a child actor. And I've, I've worked with child actors before, just not that young. Do you know what I mean? Like I've worked with kids that are like probably 10, 11 and 12, but yes. not ones that are like six, seven and eight. As young as this kid was. Or younger than that. And so I have a newfound fear of and respect for those fear of child actors and respect for those who work with child actors. Yes. And so I think she's kind of an annoying little brat, but I think, I, I guess, I think she does a good job. Do you know what I mean? Like, it must be hard for a girl that young to, like... Yeah, she gets on my nerves, which I think is exactly right. I think that's what I'm trying to say. So, the birthday party goes as it does in the book, basically. And then Dad shows up with the, um... With the clock. With the clock. I've been wanting this for a long, long time. A clock. Ugly clock. Uh-huh. A magical clock. Magical? That's what Anthony at the antique store said. Hey, Dad, what are these numbers for? They tell the years. Hey, cool. Don't touch it. How can a clock be magical? Well, the legend is that a strange old man built the clock over a hundred years ago, and he put a magical spell on it. But they say whoever discovers the magic must beware. Um, and, and it looks just like a grandfather clock, basically. It's, yeah. It's not as like gorgeously ornate or anything close to it. Like it is on really on the book cover or as it's described in the book. And we see the cuckoo coming out and the cuckoo, um, kind of is like an ugly mangy bird with literally glowing eyes and a glowing mouth. Yeah. The eyes are really glowing darkly. Yeah. And, you know, immediately Michael sees the dad saying to Tara, walk, walks by seeing dad saying, Tara, you can't, you know, don't mess with this. You'll get in trouble or whatever. So that night, Michael goes downstairs. There are so many fake out scares where he like steps on a baby doll and it makes a terrifying loud noise. <laughs> and then he sees something falls down in the den <laughs> and it's just a lamp that's knocked over by the wind. Yeah. Like I said, they're really going for the scares here. And turns the, the bird's head around and goes to sleep, wakes up. It's his birthday. And there's still the tripping thing happens again. Terrible slow motion, like horror moment of like, oh no, it's happening again. (laughs) And he sort of tells his parents before bed that this is happening. And they're like, oh, are you feeling well, Haney? And then he's a nightmare. And I want to talk about this nightmare sequence. Please. It's literally Michael running down, not running in place which they put on a blue screen and there's just shots of the hallway and he's literally being chased by the clock. (laughs) 
just a like clip art picture of a of a clock that's like chasing him down. That's the like hallway. sort of like spinning around. It's all in sort of like slow motion, just like no, it's the clock. And he runs up and down and spins his wild curls around while he's just jumping up in place. And then the cuckoo pops out, but it's not a cuckoo. It's like a cut and paste picture of Tara. To Tara laughing, going. Really going for the scares. And then he wakes up and he it's not the day before. It's not two days before. There's no frog costume. There's no getting beat up. He's immediately six years old. And so they have a different actor playing this kid because, you know, now he's He's like half his age. He's half his age. There's like this little blonde kid who has to like take over the reins for a while. There's some voiceover of John White speaking, but like this little kid like wakes up. He's like, oh, no. He looks at himself in the mirror. Yeah. And like basically turns around to the camera and like slaps his hands against his face like and, Kevin McAllister and it's a home ah. reference and it's like oh god and already he's so young that Tara's not there Tara's the invisible friend and he realizes um he's got to turn the cuckoo clock head around the cuckoo clock is gone the cuckoo clock is gone it's gone the cuckoo clock is gone. He runs see the clock is sees the clock is gone, and it's his sixth grade birthday party. And there's another big sign. I mean, six years old, six year old birthday party. This is the big six. Which I think is a smart way to show that he's going back in time, always having it on his birthdays. Yeah, I so think you immediately know how I think that's old smart he is. too. And he's like, it is a birthday party too. And he there's like all the other kids that are recast as younger, and he's trying to explain them. He's like, He's like, no, I'm getting younger, and tomorrow might be nothing. And then, like, Mona's like, no, Michael, like, you're getting older. And he's like, no, I might be, uh, yeah, I'm be gone, I won't be nothing. And they're like, can we, when you're nothing, can we have your presence? He's like, sure. He's like, yeah, take all my presents now. And so then he, like, he's like, but don't tell my mom where I'm going. He, the, the little six-year-old boy leaves the house, runs to the the antique store and then there's this thing that's not in the book at all but this kind of like creepy homeless white dude kind of stops michael while he's running goes hey you got the time and then like michael keeps running it makes you think of home alone too it's like hey kid you looking for a day yeah it's like that kind of thing you lost where's your mother and i it's like it, i think it's just another way to inject creepiness into this episode it has nothing they never reference it again it's nothing really to do with but anything. he's he gets to the store and like in the book it says you close know, for vacation and you see sort of the the creepy man getting closer and closer and closer and then a hand grabs michael and it turns out it's his dad but they make you think it's gonna be the creepy guy yeah and that night michael's in bed and he's like dad read me stories read me stories i don't want to go to sleep because i may never wake up again because i might just disappear parents like what are you talking about and i think it's interesting i wrote down because i took some notes while watching the tv episode that in the tv episode michael seems more like dejected and like existential about it yeah and like really upset yeah He's like, I, this is my fate. I'm going to be... Go-. Like, it's kind of funny seeing this six-year-old actor being like, this is my fate, parents. I'm going to be gone one yeah. day. And you can't have... He, they're like, oh, you're just nervous about your birthdays. I'm never going to have another birthday party because I'm dead. Michael, I want you to stop it with this time travel business. You're not going to disappear. Tara did. Stop with this Tara. Who's Tara? I mean, maybe if you just read him one more story, it'll calm him down. I've been reading for two solid hours. Mom, Dad, don't argue over me. It's not worth it. I'm not going to be here much longer anyhow. So the next morning he wakes up and... He's a baby. He's a straight up baby. And the parents are there wearing cartoon clown wigs. Like, the mom's wearing a a cartoony um, horsehair polyester blonde Carol Channing wig. And the dad has a toupee. And uh, they're like, oh, Mikey. And like, Mikey's a fucking baby. And then they're like, you know, it's a bunch of shot of babies. They're and like, shit. he seems whiny. Does he, he needs to have his temperature taken. So the mom brings out a bucket of Vaseline and a. <laughs> shoves him. It's implied they shoves a thermometer up his tootie. 
And the dad's like, oh, how, are you okay, Michael? Do you want to go to the antique store? And Michael's, it's like, all voiceover of my, of of John White, the actor, saying like, yeah, yeah, I want to go there. I, I'll show you. I'm in a good mood. Let's go to the antique store. So conveniently, they immediately go to the antique store. And more or less, the same thing kind of happens. So what happens in this, though, is is at, as toddler Michael gets to goes up to like fix the clock or whatever um there is in the in the tv episode there is no dial with the years on it right there's none of that instead the years are listed in long columns on the sides of the clock yeah it's like two separate columns like even numbers on one side odd numbers on one side it's i don't i don't even it's kind of hard to explain are just listed on the front of the clock yeah. on either side of like sort of like the grandfather clock door kind of idea yeah and as he is going to climb up he climbs up a bunch of trash to get up to the the face to turn the bird's head around and he like knocks over i don't know what it is like knocks a over staff? A, a vase or something and or then, like a cane oh oh yeah he knocks some it, when he okay, you're talking about when he 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 reaches up, gets to turn the bird head around, and well, as he's falling back down, well, it's on his way up to 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 turn the bird head around. He oh, knocks really? over something, and it and it knocks out the number eighty eight. Yeah, it not totally like a, knocks like it out. the tiny little gold plate that says nineteen eighty eight gets knocked off the clock. But yeah. he uh, on his way up, he knocks he actually knocks that number out and manages to get to the bird head and turn it around, and immediately is thrown through the air and like lands back and all of a sudden he's 12 years old michael in like the den living room chair staring staring at the cuckoo clock and he's like all excited and like he's like i'm alive or whatever and he like goes to run and for some reason he was like he's so happy to be back that he has to like go tell tara and i thought it was so weird because he's like where <laughs> mom dad where's tara and then he like runs upstairs to like her room and, like tara tara looks so excited to see her and then opens the yeah, door yeah it's a little odd and, and she's like, not an there office. and they're like who's tara and he he's like whoa oh my gosh wait what and notices that the clock he, my, me, at the same time michael's dad goes oh uh, who's tara but oh i think i found the flaw on the clock and notices there's no year 88 here yeah and michael puts it together and sort of like smiles this ridiculous terrifying smile really scary smile at the like up into the sky and it kind of like freeze frames on his face and he basically says i'll go back in time someday to get her yeah sure <laughs> and i was expecting him to say when i have the time because i thought that would be a good pun for him to say oh, the that'd end. be so perfect i'm so disappointed he didn't say it i know i was waiting for him to say it so you guys that's cuckoo clock a doom i know just a sweet little short little time travel i want to say thank you to everybody that has been reaching out to us on the twitters and the instagram and the email been getting emails about oh, yes yeah, so much fun stuff please send us emails at welcome to deadcast at gmail.com or tweet us or or instagram us on uh my handle is danny mac 769 my instagram is matthew underscore scott underscore montgomery and my twitter is irobot Jane. keep listening we really appreciate it special shout out to my friend curtis hey curtis hey curtis what ups um he miss told, you love he, you he told me that he was listening to us on a um what you're scaring me must be the wind what see the door keeps moving the the bathroom door keeps opening and closing oh really yeah um let's keep this in here <laughs> <laughs> so we're recording in matthew's apartment right now and which is where we record everything and the a door keeps opening and closing Wait, by itself it. do you see that's what i mean you see that no i didn't see it it's i mean it's got to be the wind it's just the wind that's scary you guys did you hear that oh wow okay
Anyway, Curtis, Ooh, we love you. We love you, Curtis. Curtis, <laughs> Curtis, are you here? Curtis, is that your ghost? Curtis, come out. Oh, Curtis. Curtis. Just oh, kidding. It was Curtis. a ghost. Um, Curtis Scott Brown. Look him up. He's an amazing photographer. Mm, triple name. Anyway, I think my voice is officially gone. Um, oh, next episode, we have something that is is only going to happen twice in the entire series. What's that? What are you talking about? We have Monster Blood 3. Oh, you mean getting to a, 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 f- a second sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to be, next time we're going to get slimy and green, okay, for a Monster Blood drive. Are you ready? Oh my gosh, I'm growing just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next time, you guys. If you dare. <laughs>